God is so good. Amen, brothers and sisters? What a mighty God we serve. He's worthy of our praise, right? He's worthy of our happiness. I think it's Nehemiah 8.10 that says, The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of our God. Hallelujah. We welcome you to church, Living Word Church tonight. We're so happy to have you here. I want to tell you that Jesus Christ loves you. His heart is for you. He wants to get to know you. He wants you to know him. He's hungry for you. Hallelujah. He sent, God sent his son to this earth. We'll talk about that a little bit tonight. But God sent his son to this earth so that you could be in a relationship with him once again. Sin separated us, right? Sin separated us. This big chasm, we couldn't fill that chasm no matter how hard we try, no matter how good we wanted to be, something was wrong. Something was missing. It was a sacrifice of Jesus Christ that was missing, that was fulfilled thousands of years ago on a cross on Calvary. His blood shed. It says he was brought to the slaughter without saying a word. He knew his purpose. Do you know your purpose? Your purpose is to serve the Lord with all your heart. Serve the Lord with all your heart. Let's take Jesus' example. Lord, we love you so much. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. We can't thank you enough. This lifetime isn't enough to thank you, and I don't think eternity will be enough to thank you, but you have promised us eternity if our hearts are for you, Lord. We ask if there's anyone here tonight whose heart is not for you, that you touch them, that you direct them through your spirit, that you show them that you, that you love them, that you have a heart for them, that you have a purpose for them, a will for them, and that will is to get to know your son, Jesus Christ, and start a new life, a new passion, a new walk, a new way, filled with joy and peace. Yes, though there may be suffering, you are with us, you walk with us. Your Bible says in the valley of the shadow of death, you are there with us. Father, we know that you're always with us, no matter where we are, and we appreciate that so much. And thank you for being with us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Welcome to church. So we're going to start off tonight in Philippians chapter 3, reading the Apostle Paul. By the way, I'm sorry, I don't think I introduced myself. I'm Ben. I'm one of the pastors here. So welcome. Welcome. You know, it's so neat. I think Paul in his writings, it seems like he rarely ever forgets to mention the Lord Jesus, our Christ, right? Without praising or or blessing him in some way. It seems whenever Paul starts writing an epistle or talking about the Lord, he just automatically starts praising the Lord, blesses the Lord some way. What an example he gives us in our daily walks. As we live our life, we should pause often and thank the Lord for what he's given us, what he's doing for us how he can work in us, and, and where, where he has placed us, right, saints? And Paul's often done this. And he does this, he does this throughout Philippians, but we're going to see in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, that's where we're starting. It says this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. And tonight I'd like to share on this, the benefits in knowing Jesus Christ. Not all the benefits, no doubt, but I want to share with you some benefits in knowing Jesus Christ. We have benefits as being friends with Jesus. 
as being followers with Jesus. Do you know we have benefits? And, it's, and it's, it's not just eternal life. That's a benefit, no doubt. That's a big benefit. It's a benefit we hope for, we wait patiently for, hallelujah, but it's not the only benefit we can have in this life by serving Jesus Christ. And I want to share that Paul puts a great emphasis and a weight on this fact, knowing Christ. Often through his, especially in Philippians, he puts a weight on this, to know Jesus Christ, to know him, to know Jesus Christ. Paul puts some weight and emphasis on this. In fact, you could probably argue, make an argument for it, that the objection of Paul's life, if you read Philippians chapter 3 even, we see that the things that he sacrificed everything for, he sacrificed country in a way, he sacrificed worldly honor, he sacrificed prestige, wealth, family, even his own life he sacrificed, and this was it so he can know Jesus Christ. Paul puts a big emphasis, I'm willing to give up a lot for this reason, so I can know my Lord and Savior. That's pretty cool. What an example he gives for us. What emphasis, what emphasis we should put on our lives, hedge our lives, protect our souls, protect our minds, protect our flesh from sin. Don't go in the wrong places. Don't look at the wrong things. Don't listen to the wrong things. Right? Why do we do this? So we can know Jesus Christ in this life. We have the ability to know our creator in this life. What an awesome thing Paul tells us. And the thing that I notice here is that Paul, is, this is not Paul's declaration as an unbeliever. He's not saying, boy, I'm a sinner and I just found out that Christ died for me and he gave his life for me and I just, I'm so, I gotta know this. Yes, that's true, he did. He found that out at one point in his life. But Paul's saying this now as a believer, writing to a Christian church, writing to another group of believers. He's telling, as a believer, he's telling other believers the importance of knowing Jesus Christ. And that's where we are tonight, saints. We're doing it, right? 2024, we're doing our best. We're doing our best. Here we are on a Wednesday night. For what purpose? Who would be here on a Wednesday night to hear this guy's preach? Not many people. I, I would even question if my family would come. They might come out of guilt. But here we are tonight, right? We're doing it. We're doing it. Why? We want to know Jesus. That's awesome. We want to get to know our Lord and Savior. We want to be used by him. Have his life fill us. What's your will, Lord? What's your will for me? What's your will for the church? What's your will for my family? I want to know you, Lord. We're doing it, brothers and sisters. And, and Paul was encouraging the Philippians church to do the same thing. Look what he writes here, that knowing Christ is from life to death. Notice the scripture here. I want to know him from his resurrection to his death and all the suffering in between. You know, it can seem like as a, in this life, no doubt there's suffering. And we know this as being believers. Suffering does not leave you when you become a Christian. Suffering does not leave you when, when you become a Christian. What I mean by suffering, it could be sicknesses, it could be loss of jobs, it could be family heartache, it could be offenses within the church, it could be feeling hurt within the church, as we've been hearing about recently, it could be any one of these things. These things happen while we are believers. Paul says this through that whole process, I still want to know Jesus. I don't care how hurt I am by even maybe another person in Christ, I want to know Jesus. 
I want to know how I should respond to that hurt, Jesus. How can I respond to that hurt? By knowing what Jesus would want me to do. How do I respond to success in my life? By knowing how Jesus responded to success in his life. Paul wanted to know. He knew that if I can know what Jesus wants, if I can know Jesus, I know what Jesus wants for me. Paul is saying the object of his confession is Christ. He wants to know him from the start of his new life, being born again, all through the sufferings of his life, all the way till the end of his life, till Jesus takes us home. Paul wanted to know Jesus Christ. I'm sharing, Paul put an emphasis on knowing Christ. I hope I'm bringing that out to you. It's not only the regenerated and saved person who can feel this desire. It's that I may know him. Right, saints? It can be the unbeliever can get to know Jesus Christ also. But the believer gets to know him even more as we turn our trust in him. The unbeliever may wonder about Christ. The unbeliever may wonder if God even exists. If I only saw a sign, I would believe, someone might say. The unbeliever may ponder the world and their existence in the world. They might try to make sense of science, of evolution, of chemistry, of physics, how the world works and justify their role in life. The one who doesn't know God will wonder about his own life. What is my purpose? Why am I here? Is it to do good in some way? What is the meaning of my life? You may have wondered this before you met Jesus Christ, but something wonderful happens when the heart becomes born again, when the heart gets to know their purpose, when the heart meets their Savior, Lord and Jesus Christ. The heart yearns to know more about him. The heart yearns, hungers, who is this man that died for me? I want to know more about him. What is he telling me to do? I got to find out more about him. What is his return that he's coming back on white horses with triumph and victory? I got to know more about him. I want to learn more about what his role is in my life, what eternity has to do with him. Hallelujah. We can be hungry to know the right thing to do and that hunger can be satisfied by knowing Jesus Christ. I can remember I was... I think I told some of the story. If I share this story off the pulpit, forgive me, but I think it fits good here. You, I forget sometimes what stories I've shared. I have a lot of them. Hopefully they can last over years. But one time I was in the ER. We, we, the, the hospital I was working at was remodeling. And so they did a really nice thing as they were remodeling and causing an inconvenience for the, for the surgeons and the operating room. They would, every, every now and then they would buy lunch for everybody. So the, hey, great, pizza, you know, that's, that's the lunch, right? When someone's buying lunch, it's, it's pizza. I don't complain. I like pizza. So all sorts of pizza. Pizza, cheese, pizza, tomato pie, pepperoni, sausages, mushrooms, you know, there was all, there was probably a 50 boxes of pizza. They had a, they had a little cafeteria that they had made for the, for the uh, people to eat in between some cases. I, I, I have like five minutes. I'm going to run up there and grab something to eat. I was sitting down stuffing my face with pizza. And all of a sudden I heard next to me, oh my gosh, she's choking. And I'm eating my pizza and I'm like, oh. I look over and the, uh, one of the cleaning ladies at, at the job at, at, at the hospital who I knew was choking. She, she was breathing, no, she's doing the universal sign. She can't breathe, she can't breathe. 
you know, you do, when this happens, you sort of don't know what to do, right? You sort of look, and for me, I always try to assess what's going on. Like, so I'm looking, I'm staring at her like, but no one else is moving. The girl, her friend next to her is just saying, she's choking, somebody help, she's choking, somebody help, she's choking, somebody. You know, that's the person that just freezes, right? They have an emergency and they just freeze. And that's what she was frozen in that time, just tapping the table. She's choking, somebody help. Well, I realized the urgency of the situation. So when I went to stand up, you know, we have the chairs like we do in the banquet hall here those little plastic purple chairs, and it's the same like linoleum floor. So I think I stood up more. I didn't realize how quick I stood up. And when my knee, knees bucked, when they locked straight to stand up, I launched the chair. Like the chair went flying into the wall. It made a huge commotion. If someone didn't hear her choking, everyone turned around to see what was going on with the chair. As soon as I stood up and took a step towards the, the lady, the chair smashed the wall the table she was at got startled, and this bolus of like pepperoni, masticated mushrooms, and dough flies out of her mouth. <laughs> it flies out of her mouth. And I'm like, whoa. And the next moment, they all look at me and they say, Ben, you saved her life. And it was so at you. Like, if I said, no, no, it's one of those things where you said, no, no, they were like, no, thank you. I couldn't say no, so I just said, you're welcome. <laughs> and so I sat back down, and I tell the story because of this. The, young, the lady who came up to me afterwards, she came to me, and she gave me a big hug. I saw her later that day. And she came to me, and she said, I just want to thank you for saving me. It's funny, right? It's a little funny story, but here's the purpose of that story. I told her, I didn't come and save you. I didn't save you. I didn't even touch you. And know what her response to me was? but you were the only person who turned towards me. You're the only person who took a step in my direction. And you know what, saints? That's Jesus. That's Jesus. We can say, hey, we don't know what happened. I didn't, I didn't save myself. I didn't know what to do. Here was a, a young lady choking on food, probably scared to death, looking around for help. Her friends were frozen out of fear. You know, just me being knowledge and having done this before and training, I just did my natural thing, nothing special, right? But her response was this, you're the person that took a step towards me. And that touched her. You know, she came back to give me a hug because she wanted to thank me. She, in a way, wanted to know the person who reached out to her. This is the natural human response. When someone does something good for us, we want to turn and know them. We want to turn and get to know them. Who are you? What did you do? If nothing else, thank you. I was lost, and now I'm found because you took a step towards me. It's the natural human condition to want to know Jesus Christ. We might not admit it in our lost state. You know, when someone's drowning, they can't, they can't yell for help. Usually they're thrashing around. When someone's choking, they can't speak. They can't speak. Sometimes they might not even know where to look for help. But Jesus Christ will meet them those examples are people in life who are stuck in their soulishness, in their flesh. They don't even know they need help. They're stuck in their worldly thoughts, their hurts, their frustration. Maybe as Pastor Brian's been sharing about, a hurt has kept them from the family of God. They're stuck in that hurt. But Jesus Christ can walk towards them and meet them. And the response should be this. When he does that, Lord, I want to know you more. Show me more about you because you took a step towards me. The cynic may say, I never asked for him to help me. I never asked for Jesus Christ to die for me. I will remind you that when you fight for your life, very rarely are you asking for help. 
You're just trying to keep your head above water. You know who helps you? People that typically you never ask for. They reach down and grab you and pick you up because you're so focused on your own survival, you don't even know what's going on around you. Jesus Christ knows what's going on around you. He sees your predicament. He sees where you're at. He understands your situation. He may not give excuse for your situation, but he understands it. And he wants to reach out and save you and bring you close to him. Jesus Christ saw and rescued us in our most lowest state. What is our job now? Shouldn't our job be to get to know him more? To turn to him and thank him like that young lady found me out later that day in the operating room and gave me a heart and said, thank you for saving my life. And I didn't do anything, but she, I turned towards her, right? Look at this and let's go to Mark chapter 2. What an awesome God we serve, amen? He turns towards us. He steps in our direction. Who loves when Jesus Christ steps in their direction? Hallelujah. I want Jesus to step in my direction more. But in Mark chapter 2, Jesus is moving. We see Jesus talking about stepping in directions. We see Jesus is stepping in the direction of sinners to get to know them. It says this in verse 15 of Mark chapter 2. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but to call sinners. See, Jesus steps towards us when we need help the most. He came to rescue us. He came to pull us from even a situation that we might not even thought we need help. He sees that we need help, and he pulls us from that situation. He moves towards the sinners. He moves towards those who are sick, the ones who couldn't help themselves. What a picture. Jesus moving towards his people. Hallelujah. I love it so much. Jesus moving towards his creation, going, stepping in our direction, stepping for us, towards us, with us. Hallelujah, saints. God is on your side. He wants to be with you. He wants to move with you. He wants to live in your hearts. He wants to be in your mind. He wants to be in your thoughts. He, he has a passion to, to, to be with you and to fill you with his spirit. Recall the Samaritan woman at the well. We won't go there, but she went back to her town and she spoke. She spoke about the things that Jesus told her. Jesus moved in her direction at the well. Hey, give me a cup of water. Jesus made that first step. Give me a cup of water. And she responded, who are you to ask me? I'm a Samaritan. And Jesus began to talk to her about who he was, the Messiah. And what did she do? She went back to the town. And what did they do? It's right, John writes this in his gospel, that the Samaritans came to him, came to Jesus, and what did they urge him to do? Stay. Stay. See, when Jesus took a step towards them, the response is this. I want to take a step towards Jesus. Jesus, we want to get to know you. That Samaritan town wanted to get to know Jesus. Who are you? What are you about? You tell us things that we never heard before. And what did he do? What did Jesus do? Did he say, nope, not going to stay? 
No, it says he stayed for two days and talked with them and ministered with them. Two whole days, Jesus spent time with those people. He moved in their direction. They responded, moved back in his direction. Jesus responded and moved back in their direction. What a wonderful picture of our Christian walk. Amen, saints? It's a constant ebb and flow. Lord, I need help. Lord, I got strength. Be with me. Lord, I need help. I'm not doing well. Lord, I have strength today. Be with me. It's this constant ebb and flow. You never see this. You never see this when people meet Jesus running away. You never see running away unless they're unbelievers, unless faith has, their faith has been lost, sin has overcome their heart, hopelessness has started to reign, took the place of Jesus. When Jesus meets a person, that person wants to take a step back towards Jesus. The human heart, when born again, when truly repentant, realizes something. I have to get to know my Savior. I have to get to know him. I have to meet with him. I have to praise him. I have to thank him. I can't be without him. But it also says this, Lord, I'm at your service now. What is your will for my life? What do you want me to do? We'll see shortly that Paul said old things have passed away. Everything he thought was important to him was now garbage. Why? Because he got to know Jesus. Pastor Brian has been sharing about forgiveness. We heard another sermon on Sunday. And we heard this, that you might not know the Lord if you can't forgive others as he has forgiven you. That man in the parable that he told, spoke about from the word of God, that man that was forgiven much did not go back to know his Savior. In fact, he turned and walked away and responded unlike his Savior, unlike his Redeemer. As the pastor mentioned, he could have had time to sit down in his house. Thank you so much for what you've done for me. How can I repay this? What do you want me to do? Tell me what you need me to do. This debt was so big. This debt was so huge. No excuse I can give lets me free from your house, Heavenly Father. And you know what, saints? That's our sin. Our sin was forgiven, as the pastor mentioned. No debt. Look at No offense of unforgiveness, no hurt should keep you away from doing what the Lord wants you to do in your life. The debt that he paid for us is too big. It's too great. It's too large. You can justify in your soulish mind and the earth mind. Well, in in the world sense, it made sense to respond like this. It doesn't make sense when you see what God has forgiven you of. It does not make sense. It does not make sense to hold on something. When God said this to Jesus, son, you have to get up and leave your throne. I don't want to do this, but you have to go to earth and you have to die. And for a moment, I'm going to forsake you. You're going to be all alone and the world's sins will be on your shoulders. What did Jesus do? Lord, I'm not not stepping towards them. Jesus got up and took a step towards us. He took a step towards us in faith, knowing that his heavenly Father in the end would have him. Saints, an offense that may come, don't let it hinder you from knowing that in the end, God will have you too. In the end, God will pull you up. In the end, nothing should separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. Amen? I want to strengthen your heart in Jesus tonight. 
that knowing Jesus goes both ways too. Paul wrote this in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. It says this, Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm. God's solid foundation is firm. And Paul says this, you know what it's sealed with? You know what the inscription of his foundation, the firm foundation that stands, the test of time is this, the Lord knows those who are his. I want to share with you tonight, it goes both ways. You might say, well, I don't know the Lord. I want, to know, I want you to know this. The Lord knows where you're at right now. He sees you. The Lord knows those who are his. Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Have you given your all for Jesus Christ? Paul was a believer when he said, I want to know Christ. Paul said, I want to go all in. You know, salvation is a first step. Salvation gets you in the door. But there's a whole life beyond salvation. There's a whole life of doing Christ-like things for the rest of your life beyond salvation. If you step in the door and say, I've been saved, I'm all good, I want to tell you very quickly, you could step backwards outside that door. Paul said, I don't want to step backwards. I'm going all in for Jesus. I want to know who Jesus is. In John chapter 10, verse 14, Jesus said this. This is, what, this is the words of Jesus. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. Can you finish the rest? And my sheep know me. Hallelujah. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. What a wonderful thing it is to be known by a Savior. Hallelujah. Are you known by the Savior? Does he know you? Have you given your all for Jesus Christ? Have you given everything? Are you all in for Jesus? What is hindering you from getting to know Jesus? The Lord knows us. Maybe it's even a struggle to forgive. Maybe one has to let go of the hurt. Maybe it's hard to let go of the hurt that's been happening so long. Maybe you might think that, hey, this hurt has been happening so long, it's, I can't even forgive it. The human heart sometimes does not want to let things go when it's been there so long. There's this amazing thing that our nervous system will do when you, have, when, you, when you lose a limb. Your body still thinks the limb's there. Your body still thinks, we call it phantom, phantom pain, phantom symptoms. Your body still thinks that's there. And your body will, will at times, if you talk to people who don't have a limb, that happened to poor Brother Gary Richards, remember? And you ask him questions. I used to ask him, Brother Gary, do you ever feel like you want to reach out? He goes, when it first happened, I used to try to grab my coffee and his arm wasn't there. You know, sometimes we're so used to it, right? We're so used to our, our appendages that when they're gone, our body, our mind can't live. We, we, it takes time. You know what? Hurt can be like that. Hurt can seem so deep and so long that even when someone says, I'm going to ask for your forgiveness, you're like, I can't, I can't, I can't let it go. It's stuck. I can't, I don't know life without it. I, I, I respond, I can't, I can't, I don't understand how to live without this hurt. That's a bad place to be in. But I want to tell you something. Jesus Christ knows what it is to hurt and he can redeem you. He can heal you. They call it phantom pain. It's not really there. It's in our mind. You know, that pain that says, I can't live without this hurt. I can't go on forgiving. I'm going to tell you, that's phantom. It's not real. It's, it's the devil's playing with you. It's in your mind. 
The devil thinks you have to hold on to something as an identity. But Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. My hurts and my frustrations don't make me who I am anymore. I serve Jesus Christ and his cause is my purpose. I want to tell you, those hurts are phantom hurts. You can live without those hurts and have a successful life in Jesus Christ, living amongst the brethren, serving Christ together. Hallelujah. What an awesome thing it is to know Jesus. Jesus said this in Matthew, Come to me, all you who are weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Rest for your phantom pain. Rest for the thing that you thought you couldn't let go. Jesus says, give that to me. Put it on me. What is he saying? He's saying, learn of me. I will teach you my ways. What can I say? Can I say this? That's getting to know the Lord. You have to know the Lord. You have to, you have to want, you have to be hungry to know the Lord. Saints, are you knowing the Lord tonight in your walk? Do you know Jesus Christ? Have you given everything for Jesus Christ? Paul is encouraging that Philippian church to go further in Jesus Christ. And here he is tonight encouraging us to go further in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The point of emphasis for, for believers to get to know Jesus. If we say, Jesus, I accept your salvation. I'm all in. I want to encourage you again. Don't stop at salvation. Don't ever stop learning about him. Don't ever be satisfied with coming to him in prayer, in your Bible study, with fellowship with others. Go to him. Learn more. Going to Christ will help us learn and grow and maintain our watch with him. In the Gospels, we read, we read about a rich young ruler. Do you guys all know about that story? Most of us do. The rich young ruler, what was his issue? He came to Jesus. And what did he say? How do I get eternal life? Jesus, how do I get saved? Right? That's what we can say in modern vernacular, right? Jesus, how do I get saved? How do I become born again so I can have eternal life? And Jesus said, obey the commandments. In other words, be lawful. Go and obey the commandments. Obey the law. And the young man said, I've done it. I'm good. I've done it. I've done it. Great. He's all set, right? He's obeyed what he thought he had to obey. I've done, I haven't murdered anyone. I haven't uh, stole from anyone. I haven't coveted. I haven't lied. I, Lord, I, I, I've done what you wanted me to do. I'm all set. I'm good. You know what the, remember the story, how it happened? I could see Jesus now almost It's almost like Jesus was teaching and this young man caught him outside the blue and Jesus said, you have to know the commandments. And the man says, I know all the commandments. And then something happened. If you read the account, it says Jesus looked at him and loved him. See, Jesus turned towards him. He turned towards him again. He took a step in his direction. Do you really want to know what it is to be saved, young man? Do you really want to know? Are you here tonight to know what it is to be saved, young man, young woman? Here's what it is. Give up your desires and take on mine. What a call. The young man walked away sad. He missed out to get to know Jesus Christ. He wanted the, he wanted the blessings of salvation. He wanted, he wanted eternal life. He wanted to live forever, but he did not want to know his creator. And it left him short. It left him short of entering into the kingdom of God at that point. 
His fellowship was not with Jesus Christ. His fellowship was not to be filled with Jesus' spirit. His fellowship was, I want salvation, but I want to live my life. I love my riches. I love my freedom. I love my partying. I love my carousing. I love, I love my life that I have, but I, I want Jesus too. We know that the Bible says you cannot serve two men. You'll love the one and hate the other. Jesus is calling, come know me. Get to know me. To our scripture tonight, Paul says this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Right before this, Paul says, and you can turn back there in Philippians chapter 3 if you're not there. Are you following me tonight, saints? Hope I'm being a blessing or an encouragement. But in Philippians chapter 3, right before this, I found this to be a a neat little find. Paul says this in uh, chapter 3, verse 7 and 9, and I'll just summarize with this. He says, I gave up my old life, and the purpose was this. What was the purpose that Paul gave up his old life? The purpose that Paul said, my, my, my life, I consider my life as garbage. Do you, do you realize he said that? If you read chapters uh, 3, 7 through 9, he says, everything I've done before was, uh, was uh, in some transition says, translation said it was a dunghill. Wow. Paul, all your work was poop? It was smelly poop? Do I, am I too frank? I work in medicine, so I think over the years you might hear me say stuff that might be not common to you. Forgive me. But hey, here's Paul saying, yeah, all my, all, everything before me was worthless. And why? Why did he consider his life, past life, worthless? He says this, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Paul says, the, look, at, look at the importance of being born again. Paul says, it was so important to be born again that my past life isn't even worth thinking about anymore. I loved, I loved, Paul says this, I loved that I was found by Jesus Christ so much. I loved that he called me and he found me and gave me eternal life so much that I have cast off my old life. Is that our testimony? Do we love Jesus Christ so much that our old life is cast off behind us? Paul says everything behind me that I've done was done. He wasn't satisfied with living the life that he had and carrying it to his future. This is what Paul said. The life I had is over. My future is with Jesus Christ. What life do you have for me, Lord? I'm starting new. Salvation gave me a new start. Salvation gave me a new heart. Salvation gave me a new focus. Salvation put me on a new road. Salvation put me in a new family. Lord, where do I start with you? I'm not going back. I'm not bringing anything with me. See, the rich young ruler wanted to bring his riches with him. Paul said, I don't want to bring any riches with me except for Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. What an example he gives us. But I want to tell you this, at the same time, Paul wasn't satisfied with just gaining salvation. He wasn't satisfied with just being known by Jesus Christ. As big of a deal as he made it, gaining Jesus Christ, receiving salvation, putting everything else behind him and starting new in Jesus Christ. A sentence later, he says, the important thing is this, that I know Christ. See, that salvation experience is huge. It's miraculous. It's needed. It's life-changing. It's powerful. You can't do without it. What Jesus did on that cross, shedding his blood, is 
life-transforming if we accept it. But Paul says this, as important that is, what's more important is that I go on to know Jesus Christ. Brethren, we have a job to do in our lives. It's to go on in Jesus Christ, to move forward in Jesus Christ, to learn how to respond against offenses in Jesus Christ, not to run from them, not to hide from them, not to escape them. Yes, even though you may feel very unfairly treated, the response of Jesus is this, don't run, come. Hey, I was, I was blamed and I didn't do anything wrong. Don't run, come to me. Come talk to me about it. Let me show you a better way. Let me show you how to respond appropriately. Let me show you to be a little humble. In the end, I will restore you. Every person in the Bible that took on hardship, almost every person in the Bible that took on hardship was restored in the end, usually more than what they had at the beginning because they put their faith in Jesus Christ. If God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, will he not do that for you also? He will. Amen, saints? The encouragement is to go on and learn about the Savior, to know about him. You know, the Greek word here is genosko, and it means to be aware of. So when I say get to know Jesus, what does that mean? You may say, what do, what do, I, what do you mean, get to know him? I know Jesus, I know his name. But here's one, th- here's one example. Be aware of him. Where is he in your life? Where is he knocking at you? Where does he want you to clean up your life? What is he telling you? Are you aware of him tonight? Is he pulling on your heart tonight in a certain area? This is knowing Jesus Christ. Where does he want me to go? How does he want me to clean up my life? It's being aware of him. It's, it's getting to understand his ways. Not, hey, I have Jesus Christ and I'm saved, but I'm going to live my life. The Lord wants you to live your life in him. He wants to live your life. Live your life. Do it in him. How do we do that? By understanding his ways. How do we understand his ways? The word of God. The preached word. Fellowship amongst each other. Talking to older brothers. If you're a younger brother, I need help. I can't do this on my own. I'm lost. I need help. Can you show me something, brother? I'm struggling. I'm struggling, sister, to older sisters. I need help. I'm struggling with something. Open up your heart to the brethren as they help you in Jesus Christ. Another, another way to get to know Jesus is to recognize and discern him. Discern where he wants you to be. Discern, is this situation of Jesus or is it of my own way? That takes time. That takes prayer. That takes conversations. That takes, that takes effort. That takes worship. That takes knowledge of who Jesus is. I've often shared, if you want to get to know me, you're not going to get to know me by saying, Hi, I'm Ben. Nice to know you and walked away. What have you learned about me? You know my name. Maybe you know a little bit how I look if you walked away. But quite honestly, you know nothing about me. Right? Let's be honest. You know nothing about me. You know my name. How do you get to know me? Hey, Ben, want to go out to lunch? Hey, Ben, what are you reading in the Word of God? Hey, Ben, can I talk to you about something? Hey, Ben, can you pray with me? Hey, Ben, what are you praying about? Hey, Ben, what are you struggling with? Hey, Ben, what's going on? All of a sudden, you get to know me. Work with me. Be around me. This is the same way Jesus Christ has made us for him. Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, I have to pray today. Oh, I'm too busy to pray. No, don't be too busy to pray. That's your time to get to know Jesus. Lord, let me open up your word. What do you, show me something that I'm not doing right. 
be honest with me, Lord. Be honest with me. What do I need to do? I want to, I want to know you, Lord. You gave me salvation. You died, you, you sent God, you sent your son Jesus to die for me. I want, to, I want to know you. Show me your word today. Show me something in your word. Study the word. Understand the scripture. Pull out a word and study the word. What does love mean? What does forgiveness mean? Study that word. Get out your concordance. Talk to a brother or a sister. Talk to them about experiences in their life dealing with love and forgiveness. I did this growing up. It was wonderful. Older brothers, brothers my age, younger brothers, we got to talk to each other. We got to rub elbows with each other. We disagreed on things. We agreed on a lot of things. It was wonderful. You got to know each other. The Lord filled my heart with love of the brethren in the process of doing this. It's a wonderful thing. I began to realize, what does the Lord love? His people. Who should I love? His people. Right? This is what happens when you start to know the Lord. You begin to know his heart, where he leads. Oh, Ben, don't go in that direction. That's not right. I'm not going in that direction. That's not what the Lord wants me to do. Oh, don't go over here. Don't go over there, Ben. Oh, go talk to that person. They need help. This is what the Lord does because you get to know him. He begins to use you. He begins to fill you with the Spirit. We'll see that right here. I want to encourage you that continuing to get to know Jesus Christ will help us in three areas of our Christian walk. Three areas of our Christian walk. And these are the benefits that I talked about at the start. We won't go over these benefits long because I don't want to spend so much time on these. And this, rather than this, I want to encourage you to find these. I want to encourage you to seek these out. And here are the benefits, and Paul gives them to us. Paul mentions them in his scriptures tonight. The three benefits we receive when we get to know Christ are power, fellowship, and faith. The three benefits we receive when we get to know Jesus Christ are power, fellowship, and faith. You see, salvation brings a new life, a changed heart. Going one way, now you're going the other way. You repent, you have a change of path. You're going down a new path. What keeps us forgiving others for trespasses as they ask forgiveness? It's getting to know Jesus Christ. I have counseled more people outside of the congregation than inside the congregation. Just my role. It's sort of funny to me. But let me tell you something. People all need to hear about Jesus Christ. No matter who you are, outside, inside the church, in different churches, here's the response. Jesus Christ is the same. We have to get to know him. And Jesus Christ will give us power. Paul wrote this, the power of his resurrection. What was the power of his resurrection? Wasn't it the spirit of God that raised him from the dead? You know what that word power means? It's the deutimous power of the spirit. It's where we get our word dynamite from. It's a word that means a force, a strength, an ability, an abundance, a might. You see what happens when Paul says, when you get to know Jesus Christ, you're endowed with this power from on high. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead can now dwell in you as you get to know Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You'll know his power. You'll know what to do in situations. You'll know how to witness when, you want to, when, the, when the Lord puts someone on your heart to witness to. You'll know how to walk in the spirit where you won't fulfill the, fl- the lust of the flesh. You'll know how to go out in power. You'll, Jesus said, wait for me in Jerusalem and you'll receive power to be a witness. If you want to be a witness, I want to tell you something. Get to know Jesus Christ. Get to know Jesus Christ. You will, by default, be endowed with power to witness. His spirit will come on you. Here's the second one, fellowship. It's a word that most of us are familiar with. It's a Greek word meaning koinonia. It means to partner with, have participation with, communion, sharing, have a community with. You see, when you get to know Jesus Christ, he does something miraculous to you. 
He puts you in a family. He gives you fellowship. Not only fellowship with him, but fellowship with other believers. You may think, oh, this Christian life is too distant for me. I don't know if I like it. It's too, it's too, it's too, it's too not for me. I want to tell you something. It's perfect for you. It's perfect for you because we all need fellowship. We all need encouragement in Jesus Christ. And when you get to know Jesus Christ, you'll receive power and you'll receive fellowship. Saints, let nothing disrupt that fellowship. Let nothing protect that fellowship. Esteem that fellowship. Don't, don't, don't take offenses too easily. Don't take offenses. Don't let fellowship get ruined because that's a blessing. It's a benefit of knowing Jesus Christ. Fellowship. And the last one is this. Paul says, you'll get to know his death. You know, saints, we hope for something that we cannot see. It's a resurrection, right? Hebrews says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We don't see our future. We don't know what our future has. And even in death, you might wonder, boy, is God really there? Is he really going to meet us? Is it true? Is it too, too fantastical to think about what's going to happen? I want to tell you something. As you get to know Jesus Christ, those thoughts flee as fast as the cockroach when the lights come on. They're gone. Those are dirty thoughts. They're gone. They're flee. And you get to know this. Jesus Christ is waiting for me when I cross over the death line. And I will reign for him in eternity. And you will have faith and your faith will grow as you get to know Jesus Christ. So I'm going to end there. And I, want, I feel it on my heart. I want to give an opportunity tonight. If someone is hungry for Jesus Christ, if you're hungry for Jesus Christ, maybe you haven't made a commitment for Jesus Christ, I want to share something with you. Jesus Christ wants to have a commitment with you. Your first step is get to know him. All things have passed away, Paul said. Take a step towards Jesus. I promise you he will take a step towards you. And secondly, if you feel like, hey, I haven't been knowing Jesus like I have to. I feel like I'm a little behind the eight ball a little bit when I have to know Jesus. I don't know, I'm not serving the Lord in the right way. I'm serving the Lord out of my own minds, out of my own fleshly desires, and my own worldly thoughts. I need, to, I need to know the Lord better. I want to encourage you tonight. Can we take a minute? It's, I know it's a Wednesday night. I know you're tired, but I just feel it on my heart. For all that Jesus has done for us, we can give him a few minutes of our time to respond if it's on your heart. So respond in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. God is so good. Thanks for being patient. I love you guys. You know, we're doing it. We're serving Jesus. And I want to I encourage this congregation to blow past the salvation line. Go deep into Jesus. Don't, don't teeter at the salvation line. Go far beyond the salvation line. As Paul said, leave the past behind and push way into Jesus. And if you feel like your power is slipping, your faith is slipping, or your fellowship is slipping, remember this, you got to know Jesus. Get back to know Jesus. And those three will be restored. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. Thank you for what you've given us. Jesus, we owe our lives to you. Help us to be better. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Safe travels, be, be safe tonight. I heard it's supposed to snow. <laughs>